Equation with Malcolm Mickelson and me, Drake Mickelson. Each episode, we will assign where the blame lays in spoiling a perfect Nicolas Cage performance. To apply the Cage Equation, we start with Cage's perfect 100 and subtract the Metacritic score, which gives us the points Nick that we will split between the director, writers, and Cage stars. This episode, we are formulating the 1997 movie Face Off, starring Nicolas Cage and John Travolta with a budget of 80 million. It grossed over 245 million worldwide. Directed by John Wu in his third American movie after cementing his action movie mastery in China, and written by Mike Werb, who wrote The Mask, and Michael Colary, who worked with Werb on Tomb Raider, Face Off begins with Travolta playing a big FBI big shot, Sean Archer, and Mr. Cage portraying his arch nemesis, Caster Troy, who killed Archer's son the first time they faced off. Flash forward six years, and they face off again, but this time Archer wins, resulting in Caster to comatize. But now Archer is faced with a bomb hidden by Caster in L.A., to trick the other Troy brother at Capolux into giving up the bomb location, Archer uses cutting-edge face-off technology to take his and Caster's faces off and trades them. While Archer, Archer uses his Caster face, Caster wakes up and takes Archer's face. This results in them facing down with each other's faces in prison, a penthouse, and then a church, where they have the now-traditional Wu-Tastic Mexican standoff. In the end, there's a boat chase, a final face-off, surgical face replacement, re-replacement, a son replacement in slow motion with a family reunion. With an 82 out of 100 Metacritic score, we only have 18 points of blame face. So, Malcolm, how did you like the movie? Well, first, there's a son replacement. Oh, they like abduct <laughs> his kid, don't they? Yes. Yes. In the middle, the uh, his girlfriend's son is introduced. And then at the end, he brings the son home after he gets his face put back on. Because there's nothing in the world his parents want more than the FBI agent investigating them to take their son. Because the woman who thought she was making Nicolas Cage's bad guy promised to take care of his own son. But she was actually having John Travolta promise to take care of Nicolas Cage's son after he killed Nicolas Cage. Because that all makes sense. And I should probably just throw out there right now. I was reading about this, and they originally did not have the sun show up. They shot it, but then they didn't show it with the original movie. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, but the problem was the test off audiences all had the same question at the end of the movie. What happened to the kid? Uh-huh. So they had to put it back in. It kind of reminds me of uh, Gladiator with, with Russell Crowe. There's a, at the very beginning, there's a fight, and there's a dog. And the one question every test audience asked at the end of the movie after everything happened, is what happened to the dog? Because you see him one time in the movie. So yeah, it's that was the only question the test audiences had. So they decided to throw it back in, which is what John Wu wanted in the first place. So. That dog thing does really bother me. There was a a pretty big scary movie that had a dog disappear, like just disappear out of nowhere. Yeah, and the I, entire movie. That's all I wanted to know is when he was going to show back up. You just kind of want him like at the end on the end credits, just to have him run across the road or something, and like yeah. a, somebody come pick him up and take him off somewhere. Anyway, I'm not sure if that's the yeah. I was watching that. I was like, "This is the weirdest ending to a movie ever." It was. It was extremely odd. And honestly, I think that's the only part of the movie I didn't enjoy either. Well, the whole. Well, I don't. I didn't care for any of the action scenes because it's a very '80s action scene where every bullet's like a missile that hits. Um, and but no one can. No, they the magazines hold unlimited bullets, 
all the bullets are missiles or grenades and then no one ever gets hit except for like a background character somewhere way off yeah and then they fire and then they did the the thing with the two guns as they fly through the air yeah. but the, i mean the, the gold guns too and i you know at the time it probably wasn't so <laughs> but ever since call of duty started putting gold guns in their games there's gold guns in everything and they show back up again in the unbearable yeah, <laughs> like, I thought when I saw those in the movie, I was like, maybe they just got like a cheap prop ones, but they look that cheap in Face Off. Yeah, they don't look in no way do they look like real guns. Oh no! Well, I mean, there's no way this movie should have worked. There's no way this movie should be good. It's a ridiculous idea, and yet somehow it's probably. I mean, I completely agree with the Metacritic score. It's probably one of the most enjoyable '80s action movies out there still. Mm -hmm. Which goes mostly to the fact that you have two stars going head to head at it the whole time. But it held up a lot better than The Rock. Well, John Woo's a better director. Oh, yeah, because isn't Michael Bay the one who did The Rock? Yeah, that was like one of his first ones, but John Woo knew it. I mean, he just knew how to do ridiculous stuff, but he knows how to make things look cool. So he just did that. Yeah, there's right. a whole there's a whole web page designed that's, that, that just talks about nothing but Wooisms, like the fact there's always birds flying and there's always. You know, there's all these scenes that happen. What else did John Woo do? Stranglehold. I've played his game, Stranglehold. Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. That's probably yeah. where I remember him. I really like Mission Impossible. Yeah, and that was like probably the weirdest, the weirdest Mission Impossible out of all of them. It's probably I it's probably my least favorite one, but at the same time, he his um I've seen some of his Chinese movies too, um, Hong Kong movies, and they're like they are really good. Yeah. He does much, it, it just does much better, I think, when he's doing his own stuff. That one was weirder than the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was so I still I don't remember anything except for him, uh, in the helicopter. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the <laughs> they do kind well, of a face off in that, too. Oh, yeah, because yeah, well, they always do that with um, with his stuff, they always take off their faces in that one. Bro yeah, there's other ones like Broken Arrow and there's a bunch of other stuff he's done, but I think this is his biggest American movie. Um Yeah, I'd say so. Wind Talkers, which is another actually Nicolas Cage movie. Um his game was actually pretty good. It was a little he tried a bunch of different weird things with it. And it it did feel like a John Woo movie. There's a lot of diving. There was a I think it was one of the first games that let you dive with both guns out. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can't have John move anything without the diving and the guns. Probably refused to make any games until they had that technology. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, so we go that I think one of the best things about this movie is actually is just the fact that they got two movie stars who were willing just to go out there and act insane. Nicholas Cage is beginning with the as a bad guy. He's like what? the worst bad guy ever. Yeah. And I just every little thing he did, like the way he threw the woman out of the plane, he did that little like shrug. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I no, he was really good as a bad guy. But the whole opening with them being a priest walking by and <laughs> doing that. He shot a kid, like first thing. <laughs> During the opening credits, doesn't he shoot the kid? Yeah, he shoots the kid the first time. Probably the worst horrible sniper. I mean, how can he not? I don't know. Oh, he's only like 30 feet away. I don't understand. In no way does it look like <laughs> like a sniper at all. It'd be like someone being across across my yard from me and then shooting me. And then, oh man! So I thought that. Then you get into the whole thing with uh, John Travolta. 
playing this overburdened. I man, he was he was going for it too. That was the whole great thing about it was they were both just cartoon characters through the whole thing. So they, they didn't even try to ground it in anything. And then when Nicholas Cage switched off and put the face on, and then he was playing himself, playing John Travolta playing himself. He actually was navigating that pretty good. You could actually see, like, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to be this guy, I'm supposed to be that guy. So uh, I don't know. I didn't I like John Travolta once the face was off. I did not enjoy him in the opening though. Oh no, because he's, he's not he wasn't like a he there was like no gravitas to anything he said. Or any of the times he was like yelling at the other officers. Also, he gets like 40 officers killed. Um <laughs> <laughs> on multiple occasions, not once but twice, I think. Entire uh, buildings are slaughtered on his behalf. Yeah, and he's like, um, he throws out those lines like, uh, was it police intelligence, LA intelligence, as if there is some? And I mean, it just the whole thing is, <laughs> oh man. And they get up there. I, I think it was also hilarious when they zoom up six years later and they show him on, and they, they I don't know, I, I had to pause it and look up there because he had a pre- presidential leadership award. A pinnacle award from the FBI, three appreciation letters from somebody. I think there was an Oscar, and they're like there were seven plus awards that he had up on his wall, and they had to pan over them to let you know. Oh, by the way, he's a he's a big shot, and then he turns out to be yeah the worst agent. What what are they doing? How does he get put in charge of chasing the guy that killed the son? Okay, so I put aside. I was able to pretty easily put aside the fact that the person whose sons was murdered is still the lead investigator. Even though there is no chance that would ever happen, I don't think. Um, but he's no, he's just bad at it. He's really, really bad as an investigator. Yeah. Almost everything he know, he learns, he doesn't figure any of it out. Someone else tells him. If anything, he's making the investigation harder by like writing everyone off constantly. And, and then he gets to then when you know, the first time they get together too, and then a couple other things happen that I thought were hilarious were the um. When the when he's driving, Nicholas Cage has got the gun to the the airplane, the the, mm-hmm. the pilot's head, and John Travolta's like what, a hundred yards away, in a car, and he can see into the cockpit the fact that he's got the other agent, and they're like they're both they're both like eyeing each other from I how do they see each other from this far off, and then where did the Humvees come from? How did they show up? I mean, they just seem to materialize out of nowhere. I think it was the great thing about this whole movie as John Woo did was like, he didn't try to explain anything at no. any point. Never tried to explain anything. There's a plane. It's taking off. They're going to stop the plane. There's a prison. Uh, it met. reminds me of uh, the other guys, the cops and the other guys uh-huh. where one of the reporter asked them, you caused $1.7 million in damage for <laughs> a half ounce of weed, which is a misdemeanor in this state. Do you think it was worth it? That that's basically that sums up the entire FBI approach to this thing. Well, I guess I, by the time we find him, he's he's going to nuke a city center. Okay. Well, and and also if they look at it, it once again when they pull up the uh, the computer, the computer uh, file on Castro Troy, he bombed a Pacific Stock Exchange and killed eighteen people, assassinated a Croatian Croatian ambassador, car bombing with a, of an informant with four more dead, and then it just keeps on going after that. So he's. What is what does he say? He's uh, why don't you try some terrorism for hire? Because that's a big thing too. Because that's what terrorists always do is they hire a psychopath mm-hmm. to go do all this stuff. Because, that, but with all that being said, there's one special agent and like twenty regular agents chasing yes. this guy. 
Okay, so realism doesn't it doesn't come down no, this, but no, no, but it flies through. I just like the fact that it just flies through everything. It goes from there to there. And how are we going to do this? And oh, well, we have this idea. We're going to take somebody's face off, and then we're going to. I mean, well, that idea it doesn't just go from here to there. They take a twenty-minute break of Nicolas Cage saying, "I want to take his face off." Over and over and over again. It was very surreal. I, I thought I was hallucinating it at a certain point. That wasn't even written either. The uh, the other actor was in was in that scene with him that played the that he was in his penthouse. He said he had no idea that was coming, and so he just started doing it with him because he thought it was funny. And he said the entire scene, the hardest part of the whole scene was not laughing the entire time. They got done with the scene, they reshot it three or four times, and he goes, "Well, they'll never use that." And he goes and watches the movie. And, and, and Nicholas Cage face off. He's like, there's no way they can use this. They can use this. He's actually saying the name of the movie in the in the scene. Yeah. There were some good people in there, though. I mean, um, besides them, um, the Archer's wife is actually, uh, Joan Allen's actually a pretty good actress. Um, there were some people in the... CCH Pounder. She was the the lady that was um that got killed. She was one of the FBI agents that got killed when they got burned alive. Oh, okay, okay. And what was the I other? One? His brother. His brother was pretty good too. Yeah, he was creepy. So I guess since we only have eighteen points, this is going to be won't be too hard to do. So let's start off with, let's just start off with the director, because I don't think the director deserves, I would say, any. No. No. I, think, I mean, we talked about everything that maybe would be a negative, just the way it was shot, like the action scenes and stuff. And they also did the thing I really hate, where everyone who's in the military or in the FBI or a cop is like a professionally trained kung fu fighter. And it just, I don't know, because it was like, they for some reason, they stopped the gunfight to have a like a, a, a hand-to-hand combat um, with two random people, and then they went back to fighting with guns. Yeah, but then the guns weren't even, like, actually used as guns. I think if you look at it, the guns are almost like used like swords or something, or bows and arrows. They're not, they're not actually used as guns. The whole, I like the, I like the standoff of the church was pretty funny. That was the other thing is everything that's happening is always funny too. Like yeah. not not like laugh out loud, but it's like an element of comedy. It's more of a slapstick, everything that's going on than anything else. So that's he did, I think, an awesome job. I um there were a couple little sore points I had. Um Nicolas Cage has the easiest possible haircut in this with the was it like a Caesar to copy mm-hmm. in the world. And yet for some reason they found a stunt man for him who has his hair comb straight back like yeah. in a small pompadour uh, and they use the stuntman quite often yeah well they they also talk about nicholas cage i guess is very scared of heights anything over eight feet above anything he would they like in the, in the prison when they had him fighting up above he got up there they got him to get up there and do like a, a shot of him just being up there and then everything else was stuntman yeah i can see that that'd be me and then the boat chase at the end, a lot of that, there was no, there, it was all practical effects. There was actually people in boats jumping, things were jumping over. There yeah. were guys down in the boat inside steering the boat, 
hidden from view. And then right before the boat would crash, they would all bail out of the boat and let the boat crash. And the and it, as it goes flying over people, it's actually flying over people. And they did some deep, deep focus stuff and everything. So I I think he brought every trick to the book. Was a, I don't really think most of that stuff, the, the studio would want them to even try anymore. No. No, and they, yeah, it was in, I mean, they had a budget of $80 million, but he used every bit of it. And they actually, I think they cut out a couple scenes too that were supposed to, oh, and then the biggest thing they cut out, and this could probably go with the writers too, but this was actually supposed to be set in the year 2000 instead of, it? yeah, it was supposed to be set in the near future because of the face-off technology. There's no way you could have this face-off technology. Oh, and I so, thought it was. I almost thought it was in, like looked older than it should have. Well, no, and, and they did because it was supposed to be set in the near future in 2000, and then they went to the writers and said, "We can't do it because we're going to have to do costuming. It's going to have to be different. We're going to have to figure out how to make cars look like they're in the future. How you know the whole budget's going to go up by twenty million dollars just to try and make the the effects look a little bit. And then they go ahead and they do a thing with a magnetic boot prison. That I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I forgot <laughs> their security mechanism, his metal boots. Oh, it's a, and the idea that they can individually magnetize the boots, too. Yes, of course. That's Absolute how magnets power. magnets are known for being extremely precise. Oh, that was that was awful. That was the you know, that might be. There's t- I didn't like, I thought the kid thing at the end was weird. The metal boots were just dumb. And maybe one of the dumber things. Well, the whole, prison, the whole prison thing was just weird. Mm-hmm. And then they got inside. Was it on a, weren't they like on an oil rig or something like that? Yeah, they like in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> one of the trivia facts was like John Wu reveals that it's called like Oniware somewhere. Or something similar to that. Uh-huh. that. It's actually just an anagram of nowhere. It's like it's very obviously just an anagram of nowhere. Oh, and then the other thing I saw, which is, can you guess which which two people they really wanted this to be? This was supposed to be a uh, giant. It probably went up to 150 million budget if they would have got these two stars. It was originally yeah. hoping to have uh, Arnold and Stallone playing Ooh. these parts. They did. They did a similar movie though together. I think. Yeah, they did. Oh, like prison one. Yeah. So, and then I think Johnny Depp was also attached at one point too, in the Nicolas Cage part or something. It was. It went through uh, a lot of stuff. But Nicolas Cage. Oh man, it was. I there was just so much stuff that was going on in this movie. It was just incredible. There, I mean, and then the little things like. You know, then they did the whole face-off technology, which is supposed to, if it was set, even if it was set in the future, it doesn't make sense because, you know, well, all we do is we remove the face and then we put it on and we reattach the nerves, the muscles, and the tear ducts. Voila, that's all it takes. And we're using lasers so it heals twice as fast, which I guess means one day versus, it would have only taken, it would have taken up to two days, up to 48 hours to heal if they wouldn't have used lasers. If they just used the scalpel, yeah. It was surprisingly gruesome, too. Yeah. They showed a lot more of it than I thought they were going to. Yeah, they leaned into the rated R thing a lot with that one. Okay, so 
Yeah, because I think it came down to like it was like that, and then it was just set pieces. We're gonna have a big fight in the prison, then we're gonna have a big fight in the penthouse, then we're gonna have a big fight in the church, and then we're gonna, you know, mm-hmm. and in between we're gonna let them be funny with their little things. John Travolta will be incredibly creepy with his uh with with uh, the, the daughter and the that's gonna be the wife. That's, I'm gonna dock the writers for the entire thing. Yeah, that was really weird, unnecessary. Well, then the fact that actually something obviously happened between him and the wife. Yeah. I mean, they didn't go in, thank goodness, didn't go into it too much. Yeah. But, man, that was weird. It was a really weird side thing. And she then, was also like the least rebellious, rebellious daughter of all time, I felt like. Yeah, I know. It's like, I think it's also seen through, oh my gosh, she's got a, she's got makeup on and everything else. Which is always funny to watch at now, because it's like... All these things that the kids are doing now. Oh, she put eyeliner on. Oh my gosh, she's wearing black. And these days, well, I wish I could say the creepy taking over someone else's body and then sleeping with someone in it went away. But Wonder Woman used that exact same thing. Yeah, that was very that was recent too. Yeah, you would think that would be one of the easiest things in the world to let go of. <laughs> not to. Okay, so John Wu, I'm not giving him any any blame at all, which is going to be pretty easy. I think the writers are going to get the bulk of it here. Yeah, no, they definitely are. Uh, we can do co-stars real fast, but I really didn't have anything bad except for I, I really didn't like John Travolta in the first sequence. I think he's supposed to be that, but I think it was overplayed. He was just, but I think what he also the other thing they both did is they both played overplayed who they were. So when the other actor took over their spot, then they could over exactly. they could overplay the overplaying yeah. or the overplaying. And then that also kind of turned it when John Travolta then turned into Nicolas Cage, he's able to be a lot looser. I, yeah, it wasn't, it was not, he's not a pleasant person. I don't know why anybody likes him, but then you see his wife and his wife is like, yeah. yeah. I mean, they did lose a son. So I guess we should, like, <laughs> I mean, they're not going to be the happiest people in the world. There was one person I didn't like one other actress. I didn't like, and I think it was, you weren't supposed to, but was it Margaret Cho, Wanda, the, the agent that was like, like second in command. Yeah, she's the one that was like, oh, did, how did the surgery go? And he goes, what surgery? He goes, the one where they remove the stick up your butt or whatever. I mean. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was. She was awful the whole time. <laughs> oh, but but again, that was also very, very poorly scripted. Oh, yeah. In the show, too. I don't know how much better that could have been. It's it's amazing how much they how much they did with what they had. I, I it would be really interesting to know how much uh how much um how much was improvised on the whole thing. They did talk also. I was reading some other thing where the the writers were talking. They did like a retrospective on it. They seemed to think they really wrote something really special, and they were like trying to direct Nicolas Cage, and they were trying. And the one writer said, "Well, I told Nicolas Cage not to do this or that because he's going too overboard because he wasn't playing." He's now wasn't playing the character. He wasn't playing John Travolta's character or something else. And they like bragged that the producers pulled him to the side because he seemed to have a be able to handle Nicolas Cage. And they were scared to piss off. I, I was like, dude, come on. You wrote the mask. I love the mask. I love the mask too. But I don't even know that, that if that's the only thing you've done yeah. in your entire career. I don't think the producers are really looking at you like going, oh yeah, this guy. Yeah, I don't know the I maybe a couple percent on a couple of the FBI agents were pretty wooden. But yeah, I other, do like no no, maybe like five to them and maybe the other <laughs> three, two, I don't know. 
Yeah. There's the only two people I had, which is now Wanda and then John Travolta at the beginning. So maybe just two. Yeah. 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 yeah just knock him off one or two for that. That leaves us the writers, which I have basically given you their entire. They've done some TV stuff too. But... No, there's there's one other person. Okay. They did the thing I hate when they do in the sound. So I'm giving the sound guy two sound people okay. because at one point it got super, it was the planes. The planes were like 10 times louder than everything else. So we had to turn it down when the planes were on the screen, but then try to turn it back up when they were talking. Oh, really? Yeah. See, once, once again, I have crappy speakers, so I don't notice any of this because it's just... I think, I think having a sound bar, it makes watching older movies much harder. I yeah. wouldn't, I never noticed those kinds of things until I got a sound bar. Yeah. No, they, they, they were really rigged. Yeah, the sounds really rigged differently. Yeah, I think you actually have to adjust it five different ways in order to make the old movies even work, and it's not worth it. Okay, okay. so the sound guys, a couple Two. points those. Yeah. Um, and then this Werbin Colory guy. I understand they wrote a, a, a somewhat entertaining script, and they wrote some interesting scenes to put people in. But they were just lucky that they got they lucked into a director, and yeah. then they lucked into Nicolas Cage and John Travolta coming off of some of the biggest Pulp Fiction has just happened. Um, Nicolas Cage has just gotten done with which was his last movie before this. Uh, was it Con Air? They were like two of the biggest action stars at the point. They luck into somebody deciding to make their script, which they even confessed was just made up. They just made it up just to try and pay off their student debt because at that time people were buying spec scripts in Hollywood for half a million dollars. Ridiculous. You kind of wish somebody would spend that much money now on some scripts if you watch your stuff. I can go but, with some ideas. I think ideas as weird as this one. And then I just need $80 million. Okay, so he had done The Rock, then Con Air, then this. Yeah. So this so is kind of... This is kind of the end of his action trilogy. And this, I think, I think this one kind of fused everything in too. It was nice to see him as a bad guy and as a good guy, but the writing's horrible. Yeah, it's not good. The writing almost feels like it should be 18 points by itself, if not more. Yeah, that's almost, yeah, I feel that way. And then you get it, it always seemed like it was succeeding in spite of the writing. Okay, so, okay, here's some quotes. This isn't this religious. Oh, yes, the internal battle between good and evil, saints and sinners. But you're still not having any fun. And that was probably one of the best ones. Lies, deceit. Well, this one was actually good. Lies, deceit, mixed messages. This is turning into a real marriage. That one was actually funny. But then they had like the whole thing between the him and the and the stewardess or whatever the, on on the plane. I I just can't understand the, some of the words they had him say. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Okay. So 14 points to the to the writers and four or two to the actors and two to the sound people for not yeah. predicting modern technology. <laughs> they could imagine a world where face off was a common everyday occurrence, but not enchant sound at home. The prison the prison one's still my favorite. I think that's it's just like every B movie mixed up together into one. All right, so that's it. So two to, two to actors, two to sound, and 14 to some writers who got really lucky. All right, so have anything else? I don't think so, no. All right, well, that's it. Um, thank you for listening to The Cage Equation with Malcolm Mickelson and Drake Mickelson. 
we'll be back real soon. Um, thanks for sticking around with us and we will talk to you later.